Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. So we're going to start by teaching about the need for you to have a healthy soul. It could well be in this room that God has been trying to answer your prayers for ages, but because of the condition of your soul, you haven't been in a position to recognise it. God is trying to make it available to you, but because of your internal world being disruptive and unreceptive, He actually can't bring it to you. So the quality of our lives is actually determined by our inner life. You know, if you're here tonight focusing on trying to improve the quality of your outer life, you need to stop it because you can be miserable wherever you are. You've taken your miserable self to Paris, you named your favourite destination. You're just a miserable self now lying on the beach at whatever destination, you know. Uh, The problem is wherever you go, you are there. All right. So actually it begins with ourselves. And so we need to be awake up to the fact that I, I think God's trying to answer your prayer, but you're the one that can't recognise it. Look at this word, a word in Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. Forget what happened in the past. And do not dwell on events from long ago. I'm going to do something new It's already happening. It's already happening. You don't recognise it. I will clear away in the desert. I will make rivers on dry land. So first of all, God's saying, would you stop fixating on what happened in the past? Because while you're fixated on that, you're not present to what I'm bringing to you now. You're so lost in rehearsing the past, you can't realise what's happening in the present moment. You can't uh, recognise it. And the fact that you can't recognise it could mean you're expecting it to come in a sensational spectacular way and it's coming to you in a way that you didn't expect. It's coming to you in a coffee conversation with a friend. While, you know, you're on your second espresso, they blurt out something profound and God just spoke to you. But that's your friend. No, you're wanting an angel to turn up in your bedroom with a scroll and preferably a golden sash around their waist. Yes, this is my friend. You know, but God just spoke to you. Or he could be coming to you in a sign on a road that says wrong way, turn back. And God just spoke to you, said, you know, you need to turn around. Or he has you stuck in traffic behind a personalised number plate on the car in front of you that says, let go. God, speak to me. I just need you to speak to me. Well, he has you stuck in traffic behind. But you don't recognise it because you're waiting for it to happen in a spectacular way. And we're missing that what God's bringing to us in the present through because we're looking through the lens of the past. Because you look through the lens of the past, you saw something happening to you as a rejection. But God says, 
You didn't recognise it. It wasn't rejection, it was redirection. You looked at it through the lens of the past and labelled it wrong. That wasn't rejection, it was redirection. Because you looked through the lens of the past, you thought your hopes and dreams were being buried under life circumstance. God says, no, what I did was take the seed of your destiny and bury it in the dirt so it could be transformed into something completely different. You know, a caterpillar has to give it up in order to become a butterfly. No, I don't want to. No, you got to if you want to be transformed. All right, because you were looking through the lens of your past, you thought you'd reached the end of your possibilities. God says, no, that's not what it was. That was a new horizon you were staring at and you thought it was the border of possibilities. You didn't recognise it. And so these verses are about God desiring to bring change, but he says, that's not the issue. I'm not the problem, you are. (laughs) I'm already bringing stuff to you. You don't recognise. You're not at the right place within yourself to actually recognise what I'm bringing to you. So it turns out that that the change we're hoping for isn't totally reliant on God. It's actually also reliant on us being in the right place within ourselves to recognise what God's bringing to us. And so this brings us to where real change actually happens, real life change happens. Real change doesn't uh, come by us throwing all our efforts into changing our external world, but actually working on our internal world. Turns out that we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. You know, if you're, you know, if you look for something, you're going to find it because you're, you're got, if I have smudges on my glasses tonight, I'm looking at a room full of smudge people, you know, and I'm going to talk to you like smudge people. I'm going to react to you like, and it turns out you're not smudged. I've got an issue that I need to clean off my glasses and I get rid of that smudge and da, da, da. Well, you're all looking wonderful and not smudge, but the, the change actually happened uh, within yourself. Some of us are, are like busy trying to carpet the whole world so we can walk in it without getting hurt. And God says, why don't you just put on a pair of shoes? And then you can just go wherever you want to. Why don't you work on you instead of trying to work on all these external things? So real change actually begins with our inner life. Some people are still convinced, you know, if only we had more education and information, we could bring about change. Don't agree. You know, you could tell me the 10 steps to being a better husband. I'll say amen, agree with them all, but it's not until the boy inside me gets healed that that sort of a husband can appear. You already know far more than what you're doing. Why aren't you doing it? Because it's actually your inner world. It's not information. It's actually the... So that's why we're talking about a healthy soul. And Jesus went straight to the issue 
when he said, Matthew 26, 41, he said, the spirit is willing, but it's your flesh that's weak. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And so we're going to look through this window of wisdom. Jesus is absolutely nailing it. He's saying, would you stop thinking this is a spiritual issue? It's not. Your spirit is willing. So stop trying to rededicate your dedication to your commitment of your dedication of your commitment. He says that's not an issue. The issue is elsewhere. It's in your soul or in this case, He's used, because our Bible is a translated book, we've got to go into the context to work out that in this context, Jesus, when he says your flesh is weak, he's actually referring to the frailty of the human condition or the soul. So he's actually saying your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And the word weak means lacking in strength. Tuck that away. So he's He's not pointing here, he's pointing there. Would you stop thinking it's there, it's over here. And your, your spirit is willing. The problem is your soul lacks the strength to give expression to your spirit's willingness. Da-na-na-na. That's the issue. You've got so much locked up inside of you, not because God hasn't seated you with gift and destiny and vision and purpose. It can't get out. Because your soul lacks the strength to give expression to what your spirit wants to do. That's what he's actually pointing uh, to being the real issue. So that's why we're talking about it tonight. We're actually talking about, well, how do I get my soul strong to give expression? So when we say this word soul... What do we mean? What does it mean when the Bible refers to the soul? The first occurrence of this word is in Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the world, uh, earth, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that spirit, ruah, and man became a living soul. So when the Bible talks about your soul, it's talking about you as a living person. It's talking about your mind, your will, your emotion and physical actions. When they are in all alignment, in harmony, in agreement, that's a healthy soul. That's a healthy soul when the mind, will, body uh, are in physical or, or harmony, all right? But notice Jesus is drawing a distinction between spirit your spirit and your soul. They're not the same thing. And so there's no such thing as an immature spirit. We've got to stop saying that. that Because that's the part of you that's God-given. God gave that part to you. So he gave you an immature spirit? No, we can't say that. The only part of you that can be immature is actually your soul. Your spirit is given by God. Is anybody, because that would be like saying people in here are immature breathing right now. Is that possible? No, I wouldn't think you could immature breathe. But so God, what does that mean? Well, you were down to the end of the line as God was breathing spirit and he got to you and he's out of breath. You know, I'm so so sorry, I've just got a little puff left and you're just going to have to do life with an immature spirit. No, your spirit is locked away. It's a gift from God. 
Question is, you've got to get your soul sorted out so your spirit can find expression in the world. That's the issue. You get your soul sorted, then it will be a perfect outlet for your spirit. So Jesus is not worried about that part. We've got to stop making everything spiritual and realise, no, he's actually pointing over here and that's the part we can actually work on. In fact, later he talks about how uh, you can, you know, have all these riches and all this, but lose your own soul. At one point he said that. Well, of course, that's a reference to the ultimate lost eternity, but he's also talking about the now. That, yeah, sure, you can have this and have that and, you know, indulge yourself in all these pleasures, but the price tag is you're going to lose your soul. And the word lose means to injure or damage. In other words, sure, you can have it and you think you're getting away with it, but actually you have damaged your soul. That's what you've done to actually get that. All right, so when we put it all together, Jesus is is pointing to where real change happens. All right, the problem is not spirit. It's our soul lacking the strength to give expression to our spirit's willingness. And so perhaps we've made the mistake of thinking our, our struggle is spiritual when in fact it's it's our soul, all right? And it's not that we're insincere about changing, it's just that our spirit wants to do lots of things that our soul lacks the strength to give expression to it, all right? And so this becomes the issue. The, so it's like this bottle, all right? There's no doubt this bottle's got water in it. That's not the issue. The issue is it can't get out. Because your soul is the bottleneck of your spirit. So there's so much that could be locked up inside of you and you're aware of it. You're aware of it and it's actually your soul because I can feel lots of things inside me but it requires my mind, my will, my emotion and my physical to give expression to it, to give... to to actually get it manifesting out uh, into the world. So, your soul can cancel out things that your spirit wants to do. And the bottom line is you can't go anywhere in life if your soul is too weak to take you there. It just can't. uh, So... This is where the, the gonna people are. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And you know what? They can have a legitimate vision, destiny, purpose of God, but we check on them in five years and they're still stuck. Why? Well, because God never spoke to them. Oh, yes, He did. It's just that their soul was too weak to give expression uh, to their, their what was in their spirit. And so... Jesus is actually talking about the fact that these aren't spiritual issues, but when we fail to address issues of the soul, like honesty and obedience and faithfulness, we talk a lot about faith. Your spirit is born with faith. It has it. It's just trapped. Can't get out. (laughs) And the soul, when we talk about soul, we're talking about faithfulness. 
And so we can end up with a bunch of super spiritual Christians whose souls are so weak, they're lagging way behind where their spirit's at. Some of you in this room, you've got incredibly developed in terms of spirit, but your soul's way back here. You know, you can be in this meeting and we can prophesy our heads off and see visions and you name it, and it's all real and it's all spiritual. But if you can't even get out of the car park without getting offended, right, then it's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. You know, think about what's been holding the church back. It's not so much a lack of, uh, you know, us downloading the mind of Christ and understanding. It's that we just keep imploding with our character. We just can't seem to hold it together long enough to actually get it done. All right? So, yea, verily and forsooth, we can prophesy in King James English all we like. And is it God? Oh, it's God. It's just that our soul can't hold it together long enough to actually get it done. Well, I'm out of here. I'm offended. I'm, I'm going to. Well, that's not spirit. That's soul. That's soul. That's actually uh, letting us down. I love this verse in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. Nehemiah was a man who got a vision from God. Absolutely downloaded vision, purpose, destiny. And his, his commission was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He rocks up, gets the people mobilised. But I love what he says. He says, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together because the people had a mind to work. And you say, big deal. What's he saying? He's not beating his chest and saying, I told you God spoke to me. He's pointing at the strong soul of the people that got out of bed in the heat of the sun, kept turning up day after day and said, that's why we actually got it done. Yes, God spoke. Yes, God, it was God's will and purpose, but it actually became a reality because the people had a strong soul. They committed they stuck at it. They were faithful. All right. So, so from our willing spirits, we can sincerely, sincerely say, we're going to live godly lives. And we mean it. Jesus said, your spirit is willing. Yeah. I'm watching you say those things. I know you. That's right. But it's over here yeah. is the problem. All right. We don't have enough strength of soul to hold it together. And you could be thinking, well, I thought it was all spiritual and if we were spiritually strong, you know, we'd get through this. Well, actually the Bible points to your soul being the primary battleground, your mind, your will and emotions. Look at this verse, First Peter 1. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your... Soul, war against your soul. So when you think about many of our struggles, they're not actually spiritual, they're actually issues, mental, emotional of the, of the soul. So how does our soul become weak? Well, think of it like a healthy soul, I said, is your mind, will, emotion and physical, all in alignment. Well, if you've ever watched sport, Contact sport, occasionally somebody will catch the ball wrong, dislocate a finger or a thumb. And as soon as it's dislocated, it becomes weak. 
Somebody pops their shoulder out. This arm becomes weak. Well, your soul's like that. It's becoming weak because it's fractured. You've dislocated those things. They're not in alignment anymore. So my soul becomes weak when I lie to people. Because I've got to fracture myself to lie to you convincingly. I've got to have coming out of my mouth and my facial expression something I know is not true in my heart. The only way I can pull that off convincingly is to fracture my soul. So Jesus said, sure, you think you're getting away with it, but you actually fractured your soul to do it. My, my soul is weakened when I act like a different person with my family, my friends and Horizon Church friends and uni friends. And I'm a different person with each one and I think I'm getting away with it. This is my Sunday persona and they're all thinking I'm awesome. And Jesus said, yeah, you think you're getting away with it, but you've had to fracture your soul to do that. You've had to fracture yourself and the more you keep that up, the weaker you'll get. Because the longer that shoulder is dislocated, that arm's getting, your soul's weakened when I project, my soul's weakened when I project acts of kindness towards someone while secretly wanting to emotionally punish them for not giving me what I want. I'm weakening my soul when I live like that. So I ended up with this fractured soul. Instead of being a whole soul, I've got all these different compartments for my sex life, for my finance life, for my social life, for my church life, and it's working. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're praying a price for that. It's actually fracturing your soul. So how do we strengthen our soul? Well, we just reverse the process. Clunk, clunk, clunk. We get it back into alignment and strength automatically uh, comes. And actually you're living in a culture that fracturing your soul is expected of you. Everybody knows you're pretending, but that's, that's you're supposed to pretend. We all know you're pretending, but to fit in around here, you've got to pretend. Well, that you're so, so you need to come to environments like this to get a soul adjustment, <laughs> to get some alignment. To, oh, I want to sit under some truth. You're right. Uh, so a couple of things we can do, practical things we can do to, to uh, strengthen our soul. Number one, tell the truth to yourself, God and others. Try that on for why is it that? Because your soul is under enormous strain of knowing it's an imposter and one day could get found out. And so you live with enormous strain in your soul because it wants to come back into alignment, but you're pushing it into an imposter persona. Look at this verse in Psalm 32. It says, before I confess my sins... I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up. For your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. This guy is talking about a, a dislocated soul. 
and how he was feeling, all right? Please don't think that God is upset with you sinning because you're breaking his rules. Stop that. God is not so petty that he's bothered about that. You know why he's so upset? Because you're fracturing your soul when you sin. You're a beautiful soul that he's created and he's watching you vandalise yourself. Well, how do you think he's going to feel about that? You uh, were created with so much more and yet he's watching you vandalise yourself. People, People live with a fractured soul and it comes out of their mouth without them realising it. You ever heard someone say, I feel like my life's falling apart. I feel I can't get things together. I just can't seem to get my life together. You know, I'm just coming apart at the seams. That is the cry of a fractured soul. And it's coming out of their mouth without them realising. So telling the truth, wow, that feels good. Clunk, clunk, clunk. You know what? No more pretending. This is... This is me being who I am, all right? So telling the truth to yourself, God, and others. Number two, your soul will be restless until you let it come home. Where's home for your soul? Well, Jesus said, come to me, all you are weary and carrying heavy burden, and you will find rest for your souls. Where's he? He's saying, That's soul. Why can Jesus promise rest for your soul? Because he knows the only place your soul's going to feel at rest is with him. (laughs) He's the only one that can promise that because he knows your soul will innately recognise where home is. And that's, see, the church amongst us call it, oh, I can feel God's presence. Really what your soul is saying is, I feel at home. See, home is I don't have to pretend. I'm safe. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm not being somebody I'm not. That's the feeling of home. And your soul will come into rest when you let it come home. You try taking, I did it for years before becoming a Christian. I tried taking my soul to every spectrum of experience I could. It refused every one of them because it knew this is a counterfeit. This isn't home. You're trying to take me to all these places. (laughs) Give me all these. You're trying to put me to rest, but I know where home is. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come back and, and help me. So we've talked about dislocating, fracturing our soul, bringing it together, And perhaps tonight you're sitting there a bit confused because despite your sincerest efforts, your soul is fractured. And maybe I'm putting words to a feeling that you've had. It's possible for you to be a Christian and be a lost soul in terms of the definition I've been building around, a fractured soul, all right? Your spirit's willing, but your soul is fractured. And maybe, like me, you fractured your soul without realising it. I didn't realise it. I just wanted my emotional pain to stop. So I worked out, if I 
dislocate my head from my heart, I can make it stop. And it did. But the problem was I was a fractured soul and I wanted to feel again and I couldn't because my soul was fractured. I was a lost soul. Or, or maybe you figured out a long time ago how people wanted you to behave. So you gave them that person, but you have not been yourself for years and your soul knows it. It knows, oh, I want, I want to be true. I want to be real. I want to find rest. Or maybe you're here and your soul's fractured, but it's gone so deep inside you that you don't even know why you feel the way that you do. It's long slipped deep inside you. And so it's just a mystery. What, what triggers you? Different things trigger you. Why does it trigger you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it triggers me. And that's where we need some help because we no longer realise what's causing it. And that's where we come to this amazing promise. Uh, Jesus again says, and He says, you know, that Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and He restores my soul. And you say, well, no, actually it's my spirit. And God says, no, 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 it's your soul. Your spirit's over here. It's a gift from God. It's perfect, whole and complete. Problem is, can't get out. So, so right there we're told that it's God that can come and restore our soul. And right now the anointing is changing in this room to minister that to you in mystery. There's certain things about your life and past that God doesn't want you to remember because once you remember, you can't unremember them. So what say we just believe in the goodness of God, He's going to heal you in mystery, certain things that happened in your childhood that are just so deeply glad wrapped and sealed away inside you, but they're still there. They're still there and God can heal that. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you are are suffering from physical ailments and yet physically, medically, they can't find a cause for it. But what's happening is your soul was in pain long before your body was. Long before. That's why some some people suffer with back problems. You know why? Because they are carrying a heavy burden. So their body's mirroring somebody that's carrying something very heavy. And so that's why Jesus says, I'm going to reach past what you think you need and I know exactly what you need. I need to heal your soul. I need to restore your soul. No one else can do that. (laughs) No amount of words or education to your mind is going to get you there. God is the one. So many physical ailments, some people breaking out in unexplainable skin rashes and things like that, carrying woundedness in their soul. 
migraine headaches, you know, all different. We could go on and on and on. If somebody here and you had an accident as a child and you've beyond just the physical injury, it was a, it was a trauma in your soul. And it's affecting your life. It's, you've developed certain inhibitions and phobias around that. See, that's your soul. And so we're coming to the one that can actually heal your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Comes to that part of me where He knows the primary need There's so much that God can release in this room that's awesome once we realise actually it's my soul. It's my soul that actually needs to come into alignment to give expression to the Spirit's willingness. So come on, let's bow our heads and prepare ourselves to be receptive. When you're in the presence of Jesus, you're in the presence of your healer. Intelligent power of God. In this room right now. cuts past all your bravado or your projected persona or your efforts of compensation. And God comes to heal your soul. So beautiful. Right now, before we go any further, I need to create an opportunity for people to come to the ultimate healer of the human soul, Jesus Christ. And I'm talking to those who've never done that. You've never prayed a prayer or invited Jesus to come into your life as your personal Saviour and Lord. Or maybe you're the prodigal that tried to take your soul to so many places you drifted away. But tonight you're here, your soul innately knew I want to go home. I want to come back. You know, it says Jesus told the parable of the prodigal that he came to himself. It's like he had this wake up moment. He said, you know what? I need to go home. I'm done with this. But he had to go first. The father was waiting for him. The father ran down the road to embrace him. But guess what? He had to go first. Father was waiting, God's waiting, but you have to go first. And so this moment is is you using the freedom of your will to choose, I choose Jesus as my Saviour. I choose to get right with God before I leave this place tonight. And if that's you, while every other head is bowed and everyone else has closed their eyes, I want you to make that decision, to get right with God before you leave this place. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift up my eyes in a moment, scan this congregation. 
and look for your hand to go up and say, yep, that's me. I'm ready to pray this prayer. You can pray it right where you are. Everyone in the room's going to pray it. So it's not going to be all awkward and cringy. But I need to know, and God needs to see you make that decision from your own free will. So if that's you, you're ready to get right with God, pray this prayer, lift your hand up really high right now. There's a hand there, fantastic. Just trying to scan the room. Come on, who else? Anyone else? Looking around. Somebody's pointing over there, fantastic. Another hand up the back there, that's fantastic. God bless you. Come on. Anyone else? This is important stuff. That's why I like to take my time. Yes, you can put your hand down now. That's great. I saw that. Good on you. Anyone else looking around? I don't mind waiting a little bit because decisions are meant to take a bit of time. Gonna pray in just a moment. Anyone else is gonna say, Yep, that's me. I'm gonna get right with God before I leave this place. All right, come on. Everyone in the room, put your hand on your heart. Even if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. You can still get real with God in this moment. Put your hand on your heart and say this with me Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you to be the Saviour of the world. Tonight I receive you as my Saviour, come into my life. Thank You for cleansing. Thank You for forgiveness. Thank You for a new beginning. I receive it now and I thank You for it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for those precious people. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.